there is one thing that separates all top performers, whether it's in sports or business, and it's their ability to manage their thoughts, their feelings, and their emotions under pressure. We go deep into this, this idea of managing the mist. I've talked about this now for nearly, well, 15 years. I wrote a book called Managing the Mist, and it's about how to maintain clarity under pressure. And I go deep into this. I talk about the neuroscience. I talk about how to compose yourself and some things you can do in the morning that prepare you for the day so you can deal with any of those crises that happen during the day or the week. This is a huge one. This is a game changer. Learning how to manage your thoughts under pressure is a huge differentiator and will give you a competitive advantage. Welcome to the Player Coach Podcast. The tips on how to grow your business, strengthen your team and increase revenue, all while you work more efficiently and enjoy better work-life balance. You can learn our unique player coach system for free by heading over to playercoach.com. We all get the mist. You know, whether it's the red mist where we get triggered and you know there's that temper and it can be a number of different things that trigger us to get that red mist. It's kind of a human instinct. Something I also talk about is the white mist. It's like a fog that comes over us. So it might be that you are delivering a, a keynote speech and all of a sudden it just becomes a fog. You can't see anybody. There is no definition out there. I've heard goalies talk about how the ball or the puck seems tiny. They just can't see it and it's just a blur. And whereas on other occasions, everything seems really vivid. You know, there's something going on there. Why do they feel one way? And get this missed on another day. And I've certainly experienced it myself, you know, particularly when I started to push myself into another level. Like when I moved to Canada to play, I'd gone from, I guess, a, a relatively big fish in a small pond to a tiny fish in a huge pond. And then comparing myself to these professional players, I would get the mist. You know, I enjoy training, but as soon as I got in the game, I just couldn't see, couldn't see the game. I couldn't see my players. It was like my my limbs just stopped working. And this was back in about 97. And I think that it was that that really triggered my enthusiasm for psychology, trying to understand mindset and why could one day I would be thriving and feeling totally in the zone and, and everything's just working in slow motion and everything's perfect. And I couldn't play badly even if I tried to, to the next day feeling so under pressure and threatened by something, not being able to literally felt like I was just getting in mud. You know, I couldn't move. And I thought, of course, when you're younger, you, you don't realize that this isn't, isn't unique. It was experienced by lots of people, lots of athletes, lots of leaders, and so on. And it's something I carried with me for a while, something that I learned to overcome through accepting that failure is a possibility, that it's possible that when I go out into this game, something might go wrong and experiencing it in a different way. You know, this idea of kind of embracing failure and recognizing that there's something going on at a, a brain level, a neurological level that's hardwired in all of us as human beings. And I think that's what helped me as a coach because I could see when players were feeling that way, experiencing that. 
I remember my first game as head coach against Team Australia. I knew what I was going to say quite early on, actually. I kind of planned what my pre-game speech would be because it was a big moment in my career. It's first game as head coach. And I said to my players, and I could see it, their shoulders are up tight, they were nervous, they'd lost to Australia the year before. The rivalry between Great Britain and Australia is huge. It's not a team we want to lose against. There's a lot of banter. And I said to them, we've worked really hard for this. And I'm 100% confident that if you make mistakes in this game, 25, 30% of the time, we will win. And I saw that it's like the whole dressing room just went relaxed because there was no pressure. I want you to make mistakes out there. I want you to embrace it. I don't want, in my mind, I'm not talking about the mist, but I'm, I'm wanting to see the game with clarity. And I think as leaders, we need to recognize when we get the mist and how to overcome it. And also to help create an environment, a culture where people aren't feeling paralyzed by fear. I think it's a, a big role for the player coach. I think it's even harder for the player coach because, you know, you are working on projects, deals, whatever. Maybe something goes wrong or a deal falls out of bed. And then one of your team comes up to you and asks you something that you know can easily be found on Google. And how do you manage the mist in that moment? Not to take out, you know, your bad performance or bad decision you made or bad or bad luck that just happened and then take it out on the person that has come and asked you this question. You know that it's very simple to find out. Or maybe you've even told them the day before. So your ability to manage the mist as a leader, to stay clear, to take a step back, to breathe, to compartmentalize that situation with this situation, you know, to take the hat off of I'm the sales guy here or the project manager to I'm your coach, your mentor, your trainer, your bench coach, and have that conversation. So that's emotional intelligence. You know, it's the ability to compose yourself under pressure, to manage the fight-flight response. The brain doesn't differentiate from one threat or another. It just responds. It doesn't care whether it's a saber-toothed tiger, a keynote speech, or if you're putting to win the championship on the 18th hole. It doesn't care. It's just going to respond. What we know is that we can get better at responding to that stimuli. We can get better at recognizing it for what it is and then learning to assimilate that and to calm the, the nervous system. Some people are better at it than others, but it can be learned. And there's a few things that I think people can do to help manage the mist, to recognize when things are coming. I liken it a little bit to driving a car really fast. You know, if you're driving a car fast and you hit a bend, and you slam your brakes on, the car will spin out of control. That's kind of trying to control the situation, trying to control your emotions. Maybe it's semantics, but I think managing your emotions is, is seeing the bend coming. You know it's coming, so you put the brakes on, then you accelerate around it, and you navigate it with ease. And life and business is like that. You have to anticipate these problems. You have to anticipate that there might be a downturn, a financial downturn. You have to anticipate that People might not stay in your business forever. You have to, so you have to constantly anticipate these things rather than being blindsided. You might have to anticipate that despite you did everything right in the sales process and the client said, yeah, we're definitely going for it. And then they turn around in the last few seconds and say, sorry, we're not doing it. We have to anticipate and, and see the opportunities in that crisis. And what I see in great player coaches is they don't get 
angry about things that are out of their control. They focus on what they can influence. They don't get annoyed or they focus on the positive, not the negative. They're able to do that. They're able to compose themselves under pressure to maintain clarity. So these are things that I would never even thought of even 10 years ago. And I wrote the book, Managing the Mist, in, in 2013. And I didn't even uh, consider some of these concepts. But one thing I did talk about in the book is breathing. Breathing is it's obvious. We need to do it. But the ability to move from sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight flight, you know, when it's like the brake comes off the heart, the heart starts beating fast, adrenaline goes into the body and cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And it puts us in that state of fight flight, mainly to protect ourselves, you know, to either run away or fight. But in those situations at work, we don't necessarily need that response. And so when we start to understand why that's happening, kind of neuroscience level, that there's a part of the brain called the amygdala, it's kind of an almond shape. It's, I think amygdala is almond for Latin. And when we learn a bit more about that and how to manage that more primitive part of our brain, we realize that breathing, taking a belly breath in those situations, recognizing, okay, I'm stimulated, something's going on, I'm stressed. The skill of taking that breath is what enables us to keep that clarity, to make decisions, to see the opportunities. And some other things that I've, I've learned, of course, you know, meditation is becoming more popularized. Breath work, you know, with work by Wim Hof, the Iceman, who has done some amazing things in, in cold water immersion. But I actually think cold water is actually is a real teacher. And what I mean by that is when we go into fight flight, when we get the mist, essentially we are in some level of discomfort and the brain doesn't like it, just wants to protect us. So the more we learn to embrace discomfort or, or it's like we supplement with discomfort, the brain gets better at dealing with it. So when people say, oh, a cold shower is a bit of a fad, one of the reasons why I recommend having a cold shower in the morning to help you manage the mist, to compose yourself, is because when you have that cold shower in the morning, immediately your body goes into a threat state. It's uncomfortable. You don't really want to do it, right? It's uncomfortable. But it's the skill to control that breath, to take the belly breath, instead of being like this and shivering, but just to relax and breathe. And what that does is that the brain starts to learn to overcome that fear, that threat. So when during the day, we get these things that bombarded us and challenges or things go wrong or someone asks a question or, you know, and we're, we're trying to spin all these plates, we get better and better at composing ourselves. So when I see leaders do that, they are far more likely to avoid burnout. They're far more likely, if they, you know, managing the mist properly, they're far more likely to maintain clarity. They make better decisions. They become more intuitive versus just doing what they've always done, thriving on cortisol, thriving on stress, or they think they're thriving to find that actually the downside of that is the body starts to keep hold of carbohydrate, you know, because it needs it for that fight flight response. We don't burn that carbohydrate off that and then get stored as fat. And we get this kind of insidious buildup of fat, which can cause health problems. So there's a serious point to this when it comes to managing the mist and coping under pressure, taking time out to reset, to reflect, and building that in to your routine, you know, having a good morning routine, incorporating some meditation, even if it's five minutes of breath work, or do it on your commute, go for a walk, 
try the cold shower and see if you can test yourself for 15, 20 seconds to compose your breathing so that your brain starts to learn to engage the parasympathetic nervous system, where it's the rest and digest and calmer. When you're calmer, you're more intellectual. When you're more intellectual, you make better decisions. So I think it's a very important thing to consider from a leadership perspective, helping others manage the mist, and from a health perspective. You would be doing very well to take that seriously. I'm going to talk about a leader who will remain nameless, particularly because this person was highly stressed individual, big responsibilities, CEO of a large organization, but a big shareholder in the business as well. And there's an interesting sort of tension that exists when someone says, I'm stressed, I'm feeling like I'm burnt out, I haven't got enough time in a day, and I can't handle it, I'm losing my temper. And then you, you say, okay, well, let's look at some options of, of what you can do. You know, what, would, what do you think would help? And, well, I've tried to walk, I've tried a hot bath, I've tried all these different things. And, and I said, have you tried meditation? And he was like, you might as well have just asked me to leave in that moment. Meditation, doing that, it's ridiculous. You know, it's fluffy nonsense. You know, it doesn't work and all this kind of stuff. And to be fair, I mean, I've always been into visualization and, you know, from a sports perspective and visualizing the game and seeing the benefits in that. I've never really thought about meditation. It's sort of something it was, you know, that Buddhists do the other side of the world, not something I would do. But when I started doing it, immediately started to experience the benefits. I had to find a way to challenge this person to embrace that, to try and find a way. And it started off with walk, just practicing breath work. I'm a huge fan of, of a lady called Patsy Brodenberg who wrote the book Presence. And we, we looked at the belly breath and tried to keep it really practical first. Fast forward now, that person would not go a day without meditating and is a huge advocate of meditation. But I think there's some ego there or misunderstanding for this particular person at the beginning who once embraced it, saw the benefits of it. And I think what we've learned is that meditation isn't this kind of, doesn't have to be spiritual. It's just a very practical, maybe we don't call it meditation, you know, whether it's mindfulness or just breath work, you know, just in, using the breath. So I think if you're somebody who's thinking, oh, that's starting to sound a bit fluffy. You had me on Bench Coach Daily, Train Weekly, Mentor Monthly, this meditation. I was there. I've seen other leaders think exactly the same way. The benefits are certainly much bigger than your ego. So if you can put your ego to one side and embrace it and find the time, five minutes a day, you know, use the Calm app. There are great apps. I like Calm, Calm app, 10 minutes a day. I think help you really, it's like you start to, uh, read the future in a strange way. You, you just feel compo- You feel like you're ahead of the game you know, because you're taking that time to think, become more intuitive, less stressed in the moment. The car's not spinning out of control. You know? And we know that you know, the breath work to engage the parasympathetic nervous system is, is key. And you know, if you don't do this, I mean, you've got to find your way of managing the mist because there are serious consequences you know, from a cardiovascular point of view, stress, we don't want to be one of those business owners who went through life making money, doing everything you needed to do to then find that you have health problems at the end of it. It's not worth it. And this is very close to my heart because, you know, I saw my father rise and fall, you know, he made a lot of money in the eighties. He then lost it all in the 1990 recession. Three years later, he died of a heart attack, age 48. So maybe that's why. I get a bit serious about it because there's a, an experience behind that. But I've seen too many other business owners 
go down the same route, whether it's dying of a heart attack, but certainly getting sick. And you've got to ask yourself, is it worth it? So taking that time out, being proactive with your health, doing what you can to manage the mist, eating well, having a good morning routine, staying strong, all these things will contribute to helping you maintain that clarity and take care of your health. Thank you for joining me on the Player Coach Podcast. For more tools and techniques on how to thrive as a player coach, head over to playercoach.com, access the free training, and sign up for one of our free webinars. My name is Andrew Silito, founder of the Player Coach Blueprint, and we are delighted to have shared with you how to succeed from the sidelines. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me on the Player Coach Podcast. For more tools and techniques on how to thrive as a player coach, head over to playercoach.com, access the free training, and sign up for one of our free webinars.